Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast Q&A edition. Me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell. You were graced with the presence of Mr. David Nolan on Monday, but Paddy is back because Dave made a very rude comment on the podcast about how we should just kill everyone that's taller than six foot. And because Paddy normally says things of the opposite nature, I just had to bring Paddy back. They're trying to rise up. They're just trying to get tall. They're trying to rise to our level. But look, if you're below 6'2", just realize that. Realistically, (laughs) you are subhuman. It's not your fault. It's just the way it is. I don't disagree. You know, I don't disagree. I only said 6'2", just to include you, Gary. But, you know. To kill me as well. But yeah, anyway, guys, this week, the Q&A question is going to be uh, specific to personal trainers. Um, and it's a question that, that I, I've kind of gotten more recently from um, a good few personal trainers because I think we're kind of, I think we're over the hump of the evidence-based hype in the fitness industry. I don't know if that's just me, but I think that's a thing. And like the question basically this week is, how concerned should a personal trainer be about reading research? Uh, because sometimes you can get the impression um, from maybe following certain, you from following fitness professionals online, particularly those that would brand themselves as being evidence-based fitness professionals, you can get the the impression that all of one's knowledge needs to come from PubMed and particular research papers or particular studies, and that you need to kind of basically create your own way of practicing as a trainer in this kind of top-down way by saying, you know, figuring out what all the authorities say and then finding out what you should do whereas i don't personally think um and like i'm probably coming at this a bit hard in terms of giving you my answer a bit too quickly Uh, but but note that this is this is someone that's coming or this is this perspective um on this question is coming from me and patty would probably share a similar enough opinion both of whom read research very regularly you know so it's it's coming from people with a background in absolutely being interested in the research side of things while also having a hand in practice um, but but my own perspective would be that, you know, a lot of the way that we learn, the, the way that we learn in terms of training and in terms of training others, a big part of it is training ourselves, you know, and I think that gets brushed aside a bit too often. Um, you know, when we, when we say things like, uh, uh, just because you got yourself in shape doesn't mean you can get others in shape. And that's true. Um, however, there is a lot of learning that goes along with someone just training themselves, doing certain exercises getting injured, you know, there's a lot of learning involved in that to be able to help others through it. So that's one part of the education process. Another part of the education process is speaking with other coaches. So for example, I might have a certain way of coaching clients, whereas Patty might do something different. Um, and then when I speak to you, um, you, you give me a new idea and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I didn't even, I didn't even think of that. And, and you're like, and I'm like, where did you learn that? And then you say to me, oh, I learned that off a uh, my cousin, who's a was a boxing coach, and you know, there's this kind of word of mouth transmission of information and growth of knowledge. Who that means as well, and ultimately, what matters is that that transmission of knowledge leads to me being able to help my clients. So that's another way that we learn. Um, and then, of course, there is the more formal uh, means of actually gaining education, and that could be through formal education and reading research, um, and and recognizing that all right, this trial actually studied my specific population and it led to these outcomes and now i know that this is the principle that i need to be concerned with or that this exercise might be superior to another exercise but i think that for the most part a trainer is going to to become very competent in the absence of actually having a high level of 
scientific literacy in this in specifically related to to reading research i think that that is a a nice um addition it's a nice supplement to the rest of your education and your your qualities that you that you gain as a trainer however like I, I think I'm definitely a lot less confident than I would have been a couple of years ago about how much that actually matters for a personal trainer. So, so what do you think about that? Yeah, I, well, see, it's a hard position to be in because you basically need to actually define your role if we're talking to personal trainers. Like included in this is people who are you know interested in their own physique development, people who are interested in their own you know training, nutrition, all that kind of stuff. You know because it goes both ways, obviously, you know, um, but you, you need to be very clear in the actual role that you want to play because like, I think and you actually have a good perspective on this because I'm going to talk about the field that you are in fact qualified in, but, um, like physiotherapists, it's basically a practice, you know, we'll call it a, a manual therapy practice, even though I don't like, it's not actually a manual therapy practice like obviously you're supposed to educate people on exercise and movements as a physiotherapist, right? But I, I think physiotherapy has completely moved away from being an actual practice and effectively tried to train physiotherapists to be researchers, you know, rather than practitioners, you know, would you agree with that? Somewhat. Yeah. You know, like they, 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 they kind of move them towards like, oh, you should be reading research and you should really know about <coughs> data analysis and all the stuff that goes into uh, being effectively able to both read research and conduct research, you know? And obviously that's hugely important, right? But that's not what a physiotherapist is going to be doing day to day, you know? Um, they're going to be helping individuals, you know? So the same thing applies to a coach, you know, like you need to hone your skills as a coach, your ability to actually coach individuals. And of course that involves being very well educated in the field that you're supposed to be working in. You know, if that is resistance training, you should, you should know what's occurring within the body in response to the resistance training. You should know how to manipulate resistance training based on the individual in front of you. And obviously all of that is educate education stuff. But that doesn't mean that it has to be education you garnered from a research study because realistically, there probably isn't that many research studies that's going to teach you that stuff. It might teach you the broad principles of, say, I don't know, um, forces uh, on muscles. You know, you might understand that, but you have to actually apply that to the situations that you find yourself in as a coach or as a trainee yourself, you know? So I'm going to, again, answer the question by saying that, uh, a coach doesn't need to read research. They need to be educated, 100%. I don't think anyone in their right mind would disagree with that. But that, that education component, that doesn't need to come from a, a textbook. That doesn't need to come from a research paper. That doesn't need to come from you know, some scientific review or anything like that. Like You can get that education from in the trenches knowledge. You know, However, you should be as a coach, very much interested in validating or, you know, invalidating your beliefs. You know, you should be very much of the opinion that, okay, I believe that this is the best way to build legs or whatever the goal is. But if someone comes around to you and says, this is what I find, this is the research that I have to back this up, or this is the science or whatever, you have to critically appraise that yourself. So even though I'm saying that you 
don't need to research, need to read research. You do need to have the ability to critically appraise knowledge wherever it comes from, you know? And one of the skills, one of the ways that you can develop that is developing the skill of reading research, you know? And I think that's probably, uh, and if you follow any evidence-based researchers or people in the the fitness field that call themselves evidence-based, you'll quickly realize that these people are just humans, right? So they all have their own biases. They all have their own beliefs. And just because they got their beliefs published in a scientific paper doesn't mean that those beliefs are any more valid than your beliefs, right? And I always combat this, and this is a really weird way to combat this, but I always combat this by thinking that everything I read was written by a pedophile, right? So, and the reason I do that, like I actually just, I use that as my general heuristic for going through life. And I'm like, everyone I meet, I'm like, you could go home and touch kids, right? Um, And that stops me doing this kind of like hero worship on this individual, you know? Like, yeah, cool, you could have put out the, the best information ever previously, but again, you could go home and touch kids. I don't know, you know? So I'm gonna treat everything that you write, everything that you present to me as if you are a pedophile, right? And that's gonna make me read that and go, do I disagree with this? Do I agree with this? What points do I disagree and agree with this? And am I, you know, falling into this trap of hero worshiping where just because you are the, the guy or the girl or whatever that, you know, writes the best information, everyone in the field is like, this, this is the great, he is the, the, the Messiah, you know? If I just, in my head, think I'm like, this was written by a pedophile, then it stops me doing that hero worship and allows me to more critically appraise the information. And I realize that the, as that, that is an incredibly weird way of going about it. And I'm not suggesting that that's what you need to do. What I am suggesting you need to do is realize that everyone, including us, that write information, that provide information, that even if they're a scientist that has papers published in nature, whatever, you know, they are still humans at the end of the day. Humans make mistakes. Humans have bias. Humans have, you know, a belief system, structure. And of course, they always want to have their belief structure system whatever validated so they're going to look at the results they get with those kind of glasses um, on or that lens on so you have to be able to look at the research look at what someone's telling you whatever wherever you're getting the information and look at it like how does this jive with what i've experienced in my own training with my training of clients with my training or the training of others that i interact with like if someone says, oh, you should do 45 sets per, uh, per workout, you know, or per week or whatever, you know, you're like, that doesn't seem to be what all of us who are in the trenches have noticed. Or maybe you're in a group that's all you do is super high volume. And now you're like, man, that's, that's the recommendation. You know, that's great. You know, but either way, you should look at that and go, why did they get the results that they got? Let me just, let me dig a little bit deeper. Not, not just taking this at face value. Again, it could have been written by a pedophile, you know? So I'm not just taking this at face value that what they wrote in this paper that got published is right. I, I just, I don't care, you know? Um, but I'm going to read it. I'm going to look at it and go, okay, well, what, what was the, the protocol? What was the, uh, what was the system that was put in place to measure these? Like, you're going to have to look at it and critically appraise it. And this is unfortunately uh, something that you have to develop over years and, effectively be trained in it and and that is the ability to read research because the vast majority of people you see that say they are evidence-based 
they realistically just read the abstract or they read the title or they read what their messiah their guru whatever has written that says yeah like uh i read this paper it's great uh it supports our views you know and they go yeah look x y and z said this so i'm not even going to read the paper i'm just going to assume that their interpretation of it was bang on you know and that's not a great place to be in because then you're always beholden to this guru messiah whatever you know individual you know and that's that's fine that's fair enough if you are you know we'll say a casually associated with the fitness industry like you're just you just like lifting weights you like having a good understanding of uh the stuff that's going on so you, you kind of keep up to date with the the research and you're just kind of relying on other individuals that seem to be you know putting out good information you're just kind of relying on them to read the stuff for you and dig deeper with the stuff for you that's fine like that's why people follow us you know i'm not going to say that that's a, a bad thing and tell people that follow us for you know doing that that they shouldn't do that it's, it's stupid like again like like i do that in other fields like i'm not an economist and i follow economists because i'm like oh what do these people say or you know i do a lot of like trading and stuff and i'm like I, I like following like stock traders and being like, okay, well, wh why are they doing that? Like, let me read this information. You know, I'm assuming that they're putting out good information. Like I'm not, that's not my field. You know, like you said it before, Gary, it's like, you can't be a black belt in everything, you know? So like they, they, they are, they're a black belt in this. So I'm going to obviously, you know, respect that, that, that they have knowledge in that, you know? So if you are an individual just casually in the field, I'm like, yeah, look, you're in a hard position to being able to critically evaluate the knowledge that gets presented to you. It's just the way it is. Whenever you go into a field, you're a white belt and everyone else is a black belt. It's like, you just kind of have to, you know, grit your teeth and go, I'm going to presume that what you say is right, you know? But if you are in this field and you're doing this as a career, as a job and whatever, then you should be able at least doesn't mean that you do it regularly, but you should be able to critically appraise the information that is uh, presented to you. And that does involve a, a passing understanding of how to read a scientific paper, like where to get it. Like I know a lot of people, you know, they wear it as almost a badge of honor where they're like, I've never read a scientific study, you know? And it's like, that's, that's what, like, why would you say that as a good thing when you are in a field that has a wealth of scientific knowledge behind it you know yeah. like i can understand this like oh, i've never read a scientific study because you're in i don't know some completely new field that you know there are no scientific studies be like of course what like why would you but if you're in a field that it's like all right we actually have you know 100 years of data to to go from let's let's look at see what see what's there if you just choose to ignore that and just only go by your personal experience like i don't know how you would even think that that would be a a good way to go about things because you're always going to be beholden to the population that you either see in front of you or the population that you fall within. Like I could, again, just, we said it jokingly at the start of the podcast, but like I could just pretend that the world around me is, you know, it's only for people that are over six foot five, you know, I'm like, Oh, like I only take those concerns. My results from training are based on the fact that, you know, I'm six foot five. Like if I was only to train, like say all my brothers or something, like my shortest brother is like six, two, you know? Um, so if I just use a population that's between like six, two and six, seven, like that's probably not a representative population, uh, of the actual population. So the information I garner from that population probably isn't that applicable to the rest of the world. So why would I just ignore the rest of the world 
you know, and just be like, yeah, I'm never going to read studies done on these populations or the results of other client or other coaches that they got with these other populations. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think to, to come back to the point, the points that I was bringing up, the, up at the start, basically I was making the case for why, you know, reading research probably isn't like top of your priority. But with that said, you need to be clear on what, what we actually mean when we say personal trainer as well, because when I'm talking about a personal trainer, all I care about is your ability on a gym floor, or we could say online, to be able to get results with those clients. That is it. So I'm not talking about your posts on Instagram, not talking about you having a podcast on the side, not talking about you writing articles, okay? While they're all part of our business, they're absolutely not the job of a personal trainer, okay? That's, that's not your primary goal. So when I say you, pro- you probably don't need to be too concerned with, you know, being in the research every day and reading research to help your clients, you, you do have to put it higher in your priority if you're going to be playing expert, you know, and that's where, that's where the lines start to get blurred because there are some people who have just never read any research, like you were saying, and where it is a badge of honor, but will answer Instagram Q and A's all day about things that you would need to have read research to be able to answer, you know, like you, like, like where else could you have gotten this knowledge if you have not consulted um, scientific research or, or read textbooks or something, which is essentially relaying on um, research in in some way. So it really depends how, how you view your role. So if you want to kind of transcend personal trainer status and you want to start putting, having more of an information based business, then yes, you absolutely do need to be familiar with the with what the research says. You can't just make that up and generalize it because there's a very key program for your client and writing an article about training principles because you may actually be unbelievable at getting results, fat loss results with your 40 to 60-year-old um, office worker females who happen to be your main avatar. And you might be literally one of the best in the world, but you mightn't be able to actually translate that into an article about how, 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 about basic training principles. Like, can you actually tell me, you know, volume, intensity, frequency, exercise selection, give me all of the, the processes there and the variables and, and what the research says and, and different decision making mechanisms. When do all these variables change? Because you never needed to, and you can be a fantastic trainer without having to think about that stuff. So it really is kind of this blurring of the lines that I think gets some people confused. And that's the reason I want to an- want- wanted to answer this question because I know a load of like really, really high quality trainers who like, you know, their Instagram is them drinking a boomers at weddings or the odd photo of their client, but they're not playing the game being like, oh, I need to have the latest evidence-based posts on my page. And sometimes that can leave those trainers feeling like, Jesus, am, am I not doing a good job? I need to catch up. I need to start reading more research. Whereas it's like, no, 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 you're doing a fantastic job. Keep going with your one-to-one training. Keep going with your group training. And don't start running around like a fool trying to, trying to follow us or follow anyone else because we all have different business models. And just because ours happens to be based more so on trying to put out information for people, that doesn't mean that, that, other, that every personal trainer needs to, to try and emulate that. So to be clear, you can be absolutely be a very competent personal trainer without being d- delving into the research very far. And there's other ways that you can actually learn. You can listen to podcasts from those who are putting out information. You can search reviews even, and you can keep up through that through that means. And I think that's probably a more efficient way for a personal trainer to try and upskill because ultimately, 
you're the one that is the filter. Like, you know what is relevant to your clients. So if you're coaching mainly 40 to 60 year old females and their goal is primarily fat loss and having a bit more energy at work, you can filter out all the information that's coming your way. Because when you're listening to the triage method podcast and there's a podcast on weight cutting for strength sports with David Nolan, you don't need to listen to that. Irrelevant. Doesn't matter for your population, you know, or if you're subscribed to, uh, mass, the research review, monthly applications and strength sports, 95% of that content irrelevant for you because it doesn't apply to your population. So if you are that trainer and you're trying to translate research into practice, like Patty alluded to, make sure it's actually valid for your population. Okay. Because that's one of the things that will come up a lot of the time um, in research studies is that you'll see that a lot of, a lot of interventions are carried out, for example, on university students, university students who maybe they have poor diets or they're out drinking all the time. And it could be a very different population to the population that you happen to be working with. So, so that would be my advice to people in terms of whether or not research actually matters for you. So don't play a guru expert if you don't read research and wear it as a badge because that's silly. Um, but if you're a trainer, note that you could be an absolutely fantastic trainer, better than all the evidence-based uh, gurus on the interwebs um, without having ever re read a research paper. I think that that's absolutely possible. Yeah, 100%. Like I know so many really, really good trainers that don't read research. Now, they'll happily happily tell you they're like oh, i actually don't read research and they don't not to say that they wear it as a badge of honor but they're like i don't read research i rely on x y z these people to read the research because i trust their opinion now as i said like i personally filter that by pretending everyone's a pedophile um but again like they've they've done their own trust evaluation where they're like okay this guy puts out great information this woman puts out great information these are the populations that i work with so i'm going to trust they're reading the research they're putting out education stuff so i'm going to trust them and then i'm going to filter that with the knowledge that i already have and maybe you read some books on the side maybe you do some little bit of like continuing education stuff and uh you know you're like okay i actually trust these people so i'm going to listen to their opinion and then see if that jives well with this the the real world that i see in front of me because again you're, you're training these populations now one of the things that does come up is obviously a lot of people training other individuals you know they might train themselves differently you know like say for example like i have ga athletes like i don't play ga you know and um, so obviously the way i train versus the way they train is going to be different you know so that's one of the things that can really throw people off because they'll read a lot of research that or look at a lot of information that pertains to themselves, but not to their actual clients. And again, this goes back to what we were saying to start there, where you have to be very clear in what we're talking about when we're talking about this and like what the role of a personal trainer is. Because if you coach a certain type of population, then the research you should be reading should be around that population. The experiences that you should be getting should be around that population. You know, you should be trying to get into their mind as much as possible. Now that's not to say that you need to train the way you would train them because obviously there's differences, you know? However, you know, if you are spending 20 hours of your week building up your educational repertoire for powerlifters, because you know, you want to do a powerlifting competition when, you know, you train 40 year old, uh, mothers, you know, um, that's probably not the best use of your time in terms of, making more money, helping more individuals um, and all that kind of stuff, like building your business, you know? Um, so, you know, you might then go, okay, well, I, but I really want to do this powerlifting competition. I want to know everything about it. And that's fine. Again, you can still research all that stuff, find out more information about all that stuff 
but you should still be ticking along your knowledge acquisition for the, the population that you actually serve, you know? Um, and again, this also goes down to like the information you put out on social media, you know, like people will do that all the time where they'll put out a load of stuff of like them doing their powerlifting and then they'll be like, Oh, looking for five clients or whatever, you know, it's like you, this is not the per, the population that you train, you know, the people that follow you for your 200 kilo squat, they're not the people that you train. Like why it's, it's kind of a mismatch of the, the message that is going out. And then people are like, Oh, I just can't, you know, get clients on social media, you know? But again, that's a, uh, another discussion in and of itself. Um, not that we're social media experts by any stretch of the Im- imagination. Um, I rarely go on social media, except for Facebook. Like Facebook, I'm on there all the time because you answer questions in the Facebook group, you know? Of course. Uh, but yeah, and like, I mean, if th- th- it is important to note as well that like this is like one of those conversations where um, you have two people telling you, Oh, don't track calories. You need to track calories, even though both of them have been tracking calories for about a decade, you know? So, I mean, because like we're telling you, you know, you don't need to read research while both of us have been very much immersed in that for for years. But I guess like there's something to learn from that too, because like, to be honest, I mean, when I'm thinking about making like changes for client programs and stuff, it's very rare that I'm ever referring back to specific papers or even specific pieces of knowledge gained from like actual research because very often like the like your your clients are the ones that informing that are informing you on of what changes need to be made you know i mean research can inform you on the fact that um for example right higher protein diets are, are beneficial for muscle maintenance in a deficit boom all right but that's one piece of information that you can actually gain by me and Paddy just telling you on the podcast, like, like there's no need to actually read primary research on that fact. Like that's just, it's just not necessary, you know? And so it is one of those things where like, it's interesting to delve into the specifics, but you knowing the general concept is enough. And there's never a case of like me having to think about that more or look for more papers when making the decision for clients, because very often in the real world, it's a case of um, like one of my clients, you know, one of the main things we've been working on the last few weeks is right. How can we make sure you actually get to the protein target? So, it's not a, it's not a case of, oh, is it, is it one, is it two grams or is it 2.2 grams, which is perfect. It's like, all right, how do we get there and how do we do it consistently? And that's a case of you having a bit of experience yourself managing your nutrition and experience with other clients. Because very often what I find myself doing is saying to my clients, look, I had a, I had a similar client in a similar position there a couple of months ago. This is what we tried. However, I had another client a couple of years ago and she actually found this more beneficial. So why don't we start with this? I think this might work with you given your situation and then we can change and try something else. You know, and it, it is that case of kind of tinkering, you know, and seeing what work is, works as opposed to knowing what's going to work in advance. You know, especially like now with the, the pandemic and stuff, I've had a few different clients who've been trying to change up the way they've been eating versus previously like for example some sort of intermittent fasting type of approach because it's just easier for them when they're at home they're eating their mother's cooking and things like that they don't want to be awkward saying hey mom don't want gravy uh don't want spuds oh what did you cook that in you know so it's easier for them to be saying uh look i'll just have my two meals a day and maybe i'll have a snack and it's actually easier for me to adhere to my calories then boom you know there's no research paper that tells you that it's it's you being aware of like what actually happens in the real world what the real world obstacles are and trying to help people through those so that's what a trainer does you know yeah and like if you read the nutrition articles especially on the website because i have prioritized doing the uh, application nutrition articles and um, they're nearly 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 
at their completion. Um, but you'll read in each one of those, pretty much in the articles, you'll see me go through this entire conversation in my head where I'll say, yeah, so this is the main points, blah, 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 bang, bang, bang. There's the, the research to support it. And then I'll come up with like obscure situations, scenarios that I've encountered through coaching or that I've encountered through uh, the research that I've read, you know, um, and I'll just include them in there. But then I'll loop back and be like, but this is the main thing that you need to know, you know? And um, so that's, that's something that, you know, you, you need to get the experience and reading research is one way to get the experience. You know, coaching people is another way to get the experience and learning from other individuals is another way to get the experience, you know? So it all comes down to how you prefer to get the experience and how you prefer to learn, especially. Um, and then it's about crafting a practice that facilitates you staying on track with your, we'll call it continuing education, you know, whether that is reading research papers, even if it is just, I'm just going to read one per month, you know, where it's like, I'm just going to pick one that picks my fancy. You know, maybe you're like, Oh, I actually love omega threes. I think they're be really beneficial for health. You know, find a paper that you're like, okay, I want to read this paper from start to finish of omega threes. Like how much do we need in the diet or something like that, you know, and just read it all the way through. And then be like, okay, so how does that jive with what I understand, what I experience, et cetera, you know, um, or on whatever topic it is that interests you, you know, maybe it could be the squat or something. You're like, oh, there's actually research on the squat. Like, let's look at shin angle or something, you know? Um, so you could do that. Or again, like I said, you could listen to podcasts, you could read books, you know, there's so, so many avenues for you to get further education that no, you don't need to read research. You just, you simply don't, you know, anyone who says you need to read research as a personal trainer, you know, they, that's like saying you need to squat to get big legs. You just don't. Right. However, that's, it's definitely a good way to go about it. You know, it's definitely, it's worked for a lot of individuals. However, it might not work for you. You know, you might be like, all right, I actually, uh, front squats, they're, they're, the, they're the beans. They're the ones that work for me, you know? Um, so you just have to find a method that works for you and then stick with it and progress with that, you know? Cause again, like people always assume that, you know, you're going to read one research paper or, you know, read a book and you're going to know everything. It's just not the case. If that was the case, then I would have been the smartest, smartest individual when I was like five. I used to fucking read books every day, you know? Um, but it's not the case, you know? Um, so it takes time. You have to build up your knowledge. Again, it's experience. It takes years to accumulate. And obviously you can bypass a lot of mistakes by listening to individuals that you feel you can trust. Again, I use the pedophile lens. You're happy. You're welcome. Very welcome to use that. Um, but, uh, you know, use it and go, okay, yeah, I trust these individuals. I'm still going to fact check them. You know, if I see something, I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. You know, hundred percent. Like we can be wrong. I'm not saying that we're infallible, that we've never been wrong, that I've got all my information 100,000% correct all of the time, or my you know, beliefs haven't changed over time, or my opinions on certain topics haven't changed over time. You know, if they didn't, I'd probably be more worried. And so, you know, we can be wrong. So call us out. I don't care. You know, realistically, I'd rather be right than be right, you know? <laughs> and so call us out. That's 100%. That's what we have that written on our website, you know, it basically says, call us out if you 
find any information that you feel is incorrect. You know, and people do all the time. You know, um, sometimes we are wrong. Sometimes we're not wrong. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've nothing else to say. You don't need to read research. You can if you want. You can also just listen to other coaches. You can also just listen to other educators. You can also read books. You can also, you know, just coach people, see what works. That's probably the most ineffective. Was just like, let's see what works. You know, like let's see if a five hundred pound back squats uh, build a uh, strong backs in a uh, middle aged women who uh, just gave birth. That's probably not a great idea to do that. You know, it's probably not a great idea to experiment on your clients and be like. Yeah, I wonder if this works. You know, that's that's probably not great. You know, like Gary was saying earlier on, like the thing that personal trainers should be able to do is get results. Like that's with the background of you should be able to get results safely. You know, um, so you know you should understand uh, basic human functions and how to train people safely and effectively. Um, and then yeah, you can experiment a little bit, you know, keep a little bit of what you know works, and then maybe sprinkle in and be like, hmm, I wonder if this exercise works or this rep range works a little bit better or whatever. Cool, that's no big deal, you know. Or again, you talk to someone that is competent that has coached hundreds, thousands of people in the population that you coach, and go, what do you see with this individual? You know, what do you see when you have an individual that is? 40 years old, has three kids, you know, works a, an office job, whatever it is, you know, whatever your target population is, you know, and go, okay, how did you help them? Like that? All right, that's cool. I'm going to try that. See if it works. Easy, you know? Absolutely. And just to, to, to echo the point that you made that you made there in terms of like experimentation, like sometimes people get really carried away with like trying to self-experiment and experiment with their clients. And I prefer that word tinkering, you know, because tinkering kind of implies that like, right, we, we have something, but we're kind of, you know, we're going to change something and kind of see how that works and then see how, see how something else works. And, and you're, you're letting it kind of evolve as you go along by making very small little changes to any intervention that you happen to be, to be putting into place. You know, if you were trying to like make a, if you're working with Boeing and you're trying to improve the, the 737 or something, you wouldn't be like, uh, do you know what? Let's, uh, let's put the, the engine let's put both engines on the roof and then let's uh, put a wing put add on two more wings and see what happens you know you, you'd, you'd see what was there and then you'd, you'd try to make some little tweak see how that works test it blah 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 come back with your outcomes and then you've got you've got some potential update or something that you can throw into the bin you know and, and that's that's basically the case with coaching you know if you're if you're if you've if you've got a program in which you're roughly doing 10 sets per body part per week um, across all of your muscle groups. You don't just read one article on a high volume and then come into your client on Monday and say, we're actually going to bump it up to 30 sets a week. You know, you're like, you, you could take a piece of information away and say, oh, higher volume approaches seem to actually be more effective. And my clients seem to all have been recovering really well so far. So I'm going to increase the 12 sets, you know, see how that goes. And then maybe increase to 14 and gradually tinker your way. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it for this podcast. I think I think we covered everything we need to that you guys uh, need to know. Um, obviously, more applicable for trainers, but also applicable for trainees. You know, I think trainees often fall into the same uh, the same the same. What what was I going to say? The same trap. Jesus Christ! I'm sorry, I shouldn't use the Lord's name in vain on the day that he rose. Um, but uh, basically, what I was going to say was that if you were if you were a trainee and you're having success with any intervention. That's what matters, you know. And I mean, if you're if you're on any sort of training program, you shouldn't be trying to 
speak out research to, to, to basically disprove what has led to progress for you. So it also does apply to you as a trainee. Uh, but if you'd like to find out more about us, our work, etc., uh, you can subscribe to the Triage Method newsletter below. You can uh, join the Triage Method community on Facebook. That's also in the description box below. Um, we have online coaching spaces available that includes one-to-one and group online coaching. Um, we also have program templates and a beginner's guidebook that you can purchase in the store. Um, and of course, you can follow us on our various social media platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, get involved on all the above. And uh, if you have nothing else to add, Patrick, we'll see you guys on Monday again. I just have one, one thing to add. Um, Go ahead. That is that the uh, definition of tinker is uh, someone who mends pots. So that makes no sense. Second definition of tinker is uh, an un, unskillful or clumsy worker. So uh, yeah. That's how Gary coaches, apparently. I I'm just gonna. I'm Gary, just gonna stick so. with it. That's that's good though. Someone who mends pots, you know, you're, you're, you make a you make a small improvement to the pot. <laughs> that's why they call itinerants tinkers, which is somewhat racist, and um, depending on we know that. Um, they call them tinkerers because they used to go around house to house fixing and mending pots. Runner, that's an aside. Um, I'm just trying to re- reduce the, the discriminatory nature of that word. You know, that's why I'm bring, it? Oh, bring yeah. it in, bring it into our vocabulary. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Real sound like. Anyway, goodbye. Goodbye.